Scripture today comes from 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, starting in verse 50. Paul says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, the mortal puts on immortality. And then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. To the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today I want to talk about a very popular topic, and that's death. Actually, it's the opposite of a popular topic. We don't like to talk about death at all. In fact, the word death or die is a word we try not to even use. Have you noticed that? We say people have passed away. We don't even like to say death. We don't like to talk about it. We don't like to be around it. Fewer and fewer people come to funerals these days. They come to the funeral dinners sometimes, but not necessarily to the funeral. You know, funerals used to really take place in your home. You used to have a room in your house. It was called a parlor. Anybody used to have a parlor, right? It's a sitting room where you would host people. But if someone passed away, typically you would have them laid out in the parlor where people would stop by your house to visit. And it came to a point where people did not want to have those people who have died sitting in their parlor anymore. So they started this whole new business called funeral parlors where you would pay to use somebody else's parlor so you didn't have to have someone who had died in your own parlor. Um, Nobody has parlors anymore, so we don't really call them parlors anymore. We call them funeral homes. And if you look around New Brighton, you're going to find that that's what they are. They're homes. You paid somebody else so that you didn't have to have death in your own home. We don't like death. We fear it. We know that it comes for all of us. We know it will come for those around us. It is the inevitable truth of our lives. And yet it is one we do our best to turn a blind eye to. Because if we really acknowledge that death is there, it it represents a loss of control. I can't control it. I don't know when it's coming. I don't know how it's going to come. I don't know how it's going to be. Will it be easy? Will it be hard? Will it be long? Will it be fast? I don't know. So I just pretend like it's not there. Any loss bothers us, even good loss. Anytime there's a change, your body has trained itself to notice that stuff. In this room right now, there are all kinds of things you're totally ignoring, right? You're totally ignoring ambient sound. You're totally ignoring the lighting. You're totally ignoring where you're seating. Until one of those things changes. If suddenly the temperature gets really, really hot in here, your brain triggers and says, oh, there's a change. There might be a fire. We better look around. 
There's, you ignore all the ambient noise until someone starts yelling in the back of the church. And then your brain goes, oh, better be careful. There's a change. There's something different going on here. You're, you don't like change, right? And death is the ultimate change. It's the one we least like. But even good change bothers us. Talking about death points to a larger reality. That maybe there's something more going on in this life than, than we typically think about. But the problem is, it's really hard to live in that other reality. And furthermore, death hurts. Not just our death, which could hurt, we don't know, but when we lose somebody else, it hurts. But that's interesting, right? Because Paul says in this, in this passage that there's a time coming when death will have no more victory, where death will have no more sting. But we feel the sting of death, don't we? Well, we do and we don't as Christians. And that's what I want to unpack today. In the Bible, death is not how things are supposed to be. Death is the result of sin. It's the result of the fall. And because of that, death is something that God is not going to put up with forever. Actually, the whole point of the story is that God enters death and defeats it in the resurrection. So that Paul says someday... We're going to have a new life. Our bodies are going to be made new. In fact, Paul's so serious about it that he says here that those who have died are going to rise. Which is amazing to think about because we have history of how many people who have died. And yet someday those bodies, those molecules are going to come back together and be made new again. Why? Because if sin is defeated and death is a consequence of sin, then death also has to be totally reversed. So we look forward to that day. And we as Christians can have hope in that day, except it still hurts when we go through it. We're not quite in that day yet. It's, it's this mystery of the New Testament that it has happened, but it hasn't happened yet. And so death has no sting, and yet we still feel that sting of death. So what does the sting of death look like? Well, we have a word for it. We call it grief. Grief is what we do when we process and we deal with a loss. Sometimes I've heard it described, particularly at the early stages, as like a fog that comes in. And if you've ever been around someone who's lost someone close or suddenly, they're just kind of glazed over, right? They're not thinking. They're not processing. They're just fogged. But grief happens over time as we start to deal with that loss. And in other cultures, this is expected. There's a lot of other cultures around the world where you're expected to take 30 days to grieve. Or there's a certain time period where you don't go to work, where the community helps take care of you, brings you meals, and you're expected to take time to grieve. Part of our problem in our culture today is that if you go to a funeral on Saturday, you're expected to be fine by Monday. And grief doesn't work that way. It happens in stages. It happens in a process. And the process is messy and it takes time. In fact, when you go through another death in your life, that whole process can start over for the previous deaths. It's almost as if your brain says, hey, do you remember last time how bad this hurt? We better be careful here. And your, your mind goes right back to that state of grief, that state of fog, and your body starts to shut down in response. I see some problems when people grieve. Number one, they don't 
they don't see grieving as normal. They see it as abnormal. I'm strong. I ought to be able to deal with this loss. Well, no, actually, grief is normal. It's our culture telling you you shouldn't have to grieve that really is the problem. Grief is normal. Whenever we have loss, it's normal to deal with that. And a lot of people don't understand that grief is a mix of emotions. Sometimes it's anger. Sometimes it's sadness. It can be all kinds of different emotions. I've done one funeral for a suicide. The man uh, waited for his family to go to the grocery store and stayed behind and did it while they were gone. So they had to come back and find him like that and deal with that. You know, that family was really angry. And I think they kind of had a right to be. Although he also had a history of mental illness. So there was this weird emotion of being angry and being sad, but also sort of being relieved, happy that he's not in pain anymore. And those emotions get really, really confusing. You got to let yourself go through those emotions. You got to let yourself feel those things. Of course, you don't stay there. One of my favorite, the the verse that you always have to do at a funeral is the 23rd Psalm, right? And I love how it says in there, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Well, the key word there is through. We don't stay there. We don't move in there. We don't stay in that shadow of death. Yes, the loss is always with us. But there is a process and we need to move through it. I've also seen people that get a serious loss and they close off. Right? They don't let themselves get close to anyone else because they don't want to feel the sting of that death again. And I don't think that's helpful either. If you know someone who's going through loss, let me give you a couple tips. Okay? Because I've gotten to see this in families and with friends and it... We need to clear a couple of things up. First of all, don't, don't say foolish things. Don't tell them it's okay. Don't tell them that time heals all wounds. Don't tell them to be strong or it will get easier. Because they can't hear that right then. Say, I'm sorry and I care about you. That's the best thing you can do. In fact, in pastoral ministry, we call it the ministry of presence. One of the things I know as a pastor is that I do 95% of my job when I show up. Because what they want is somebody to be there. And that's enough most of the time. And a lot of times your words just get in the way. If you want to help, I would suggest you offer specific help. Okay? You say, people say, if if I could do anything, you know, let let me know. What they really want is their child, their parent, their spouse, or their friend back. And so what they really want, you can't give them. So offer something specific. Hey, I would like to bring over dinner on Thursday. Hey, let's grab a cup of coffee in a week and see how you're doing. Okay, offer something specific works so much better than vague generalities. Another suggestion, use the person's name after the service is gone. One of the things that happens is we get afraid to talk about a person who's died because we think it'll be sad, but sometimes it's more sad if a person dies and nobody wants to talk about them around the person who lost. If you lost your parents, it's worse if you never mention their names. It's like they never existed. That's not good either. Use the person's name. It might be said, but it's better than never hearing their name again. And if you have been through death, I think sometimes 
it's good to tell those stories. You have a little more clout with someone if you've lost a child too, if you've lost a spouse too. And always, but always remember, you may have lost your grandmother, but you didn't lose their grandmother. You may have lost your friend, but you didn't lose their friend. It might have been the same person, in fact. But you didn't have the same relationship that the other person had. And so be careful that you can, uh, you can sympathize, but you don't necessarily know exactly what they're going through. One of the great ways that we deal with death in the Christian church is through the Christian funeral. It's one of the places where we get to come together and offer grace and support to one another. But we have to understand a few things about funerals. Number one, you got to know the purpose of the funeral. A funeral is not really, not primarily about the person who has died. This gets confusing for people who are going through loss. But the real purpose, the ultimate purpose of a funeral is support and grace and help for the friends and family who are left behind. Yes, it is about the person, you want to remember them, but, but really, it's about those left behind. And so I've, I've seen funerals that get kind of silly with, oh, that's what my mom would have wanted, or that's what my dad would have wanted. But part of the harsh reality of a funeral is that that person's not there anymore. The, person, the funeral is really for the people that are there. And you always have to keep that in balance, and it's not easy to do. Um, that's why I prefer to have a closed casket for funerals. If you, if you ever have gone through this or will go through this with me. I prefer to have a f- closed casket. Because it, it's just too hard to have the funeral be about everybody else when that casket's open. It's why, um, it's why I tend to do short funerals. Normally when I get to a funeral, the family is exhausted. They've done so, many, so much viewing hours. They've dealt with everything, with the loss, all the family coming in, all the details. You know what? This is not a time to go on for an hour, hour and a half. Family's tired. I like to have a short service. I think that's helpful for the family. I also really am, I, I try to stay away from open mic sessions. Have you ever been to a funeral that goes really, really long because people get up and give long Sometimes mildly inappropriate stories about the person who's gone, right? There's a, there's a really great tradition we have of doing funeral dinners. And those are the best place for stories. I really encourage that as part of this service. So during, this, during the service itself, I will say a few things if I can about the person who's passed. Maybe one or two people will have short things that they say. Normally I tell them to write it. So that they're not going on and on, but they know and they've thought through what they want to say. And also, if they get sad, then I have the chance to read it for them if they can't do it themselves. But you see what we're trying to do in the funeral. Yeah, we want to remember that person, but who it's really about is those that are grieving. So you want to acknowledge that person. You want to to have that move. It's also why, by the way, I'm not a big fan of doing altar calls during services. Some, Some people really like to do that some kind of witness message, but that, I don't know, is the purpose of a funeral. The purpose of a funeral is to help those who grieve, and so we witness to the grace of Christ and hope that you have those conversations separately. Not sure it's my job as the pastor to hijack that moment. So my suggestion to you, as a Christian, is that, yes, death stings, but we can find great hope in how we do 
our funeral services. My other suggestion to you, having been through this with a lot of families, is it's helpful if you have your affairs in order ahead of time. It's really difficult on families to have to make the decisions in the moment because they're sad. And funeral directors are great at helping people through this, but it is a really difficult day of planning if it's not set up ahead of time. Uh, by the way, I, I, I did a thing, I have it downstairs, that I called Westminster Church's Funeral Information Form. And one of the things that I thought we would do if you wanted is you, you could fill out the form and say kind of what you want. Is there a hymn you want in your funeral? Is there a, uh, uh, do you want it in the church or you want it in the funeral home? How, how do you want some of those things? And if you want to turn those in, we'll, we'll file them here at the church and then we know a little bit of what your wishes were. I think it's powerful to have a funeral in the church, if possible, because it, once again, puts the focus away a little bit from the person and more to praising God. It's more of a worship service when it's in the space. It just is. When I do a funeral, because of my understanding of death, I try to have both acknowledgement of joy and sorrow. In fact, I tend to pray in the funeral more towards sorrow at the beginning and move towards joy towards the end. I want to try to help people make that journey because it is a day of mixed emotions. I try to emphasize in a funeral that God knows what we're going through. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but, but God lost a son, watched him die. Jesus lost a friend, and Jesus wept. Jesus probably lost his earthly father, Joseph. When God is with us in our, when we feel the sting of death, he's with us not as somebody who understands from the outside, but someone who understands the sting of death because he has felt it himself. There's great comfort in that. Also, we always proclaim in Christian funerals that death is not the end. In fact, sometimes the funeral is called the service of testimony of the resurrection. Now we say this is not the end. This is a beginning. Let me try to pull this together for you with one of my favorite funeral stories. It's a story I use in funerals sometimes. Some of you may have heard it. I've used it at Ken Douglas's funeral. Harold E. Johnson tells a story of two strangers, a small boy and an older man fishing from the banks of the Mississippi. As time passed, they discovered that though the fishing was rather poor, the conversation was good. By the time the sun began to sink at the end of the day, they had talked of many things. Around the bend up the river came a large river boat. The boy saw the boat and began to shout and wave his arms so that he could attract the attention of those on board. The man watched for some time and then told the boy he was foolish. That boat is on its way some way down, where down river. And it's not going to pull over for a little boy on the side of the river. But suddenly the boat became, began to slow down. And then it moved toward the river bank. To the man's amazement, the boat came near enough to the shore for the gangplank to be lowered. The boy entered the boat and turning to his new friend on the shore said, I'm not foolish, mister. You see, my father is the captain of this boat. And we're going to a new home up the river. Sometimes life is like that. There are times when the ship of death makes an unexpected stop along the river and, to our surprise, picks up a passenger. 
We don't always understand the timing. Sometimes it can take a long time, and sometimes it's quite sudden. And I wish I could say something that would take away this sting of death that we have all felt. I wish I could say something, pray something, do something that would make the sadness and the loss go away. But the hope, the hope for Paul, the hope in the Bible, the hope of the Christian funeral, the hope of the Christian tradition is that our father is the captain of that boat and it's heading to a new home up the river. Death is not the end, but it is the beginning of a new adventure. And I think that is the great hope. The only way that the sting of death will get less in this side of heaven is for us to trust our Father in the middle of it. Let's pray. Father, we keep death at arm's length. We don't like to talk about it, but it is part of life. And we will all face it for others and with others, and we will all face it ourselves. Help us to trust you. Give us good perspective on it. That we may have hope, not just for ourselves, but we may bring hope and comfort to others. We thank you for the witness of a church to those going through grief and loss. Speak to them, we pray. Speak through us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.